right now, just yesterday, in the news, 76% of Americans report having gained at least 16 pounds or seven kilograms over the course of the lockdown. Hang on a second. Do you have any idea what the social cost of that's going to be? Do you have any idea what the suffering that that's going to lead to is going to be? It's not a trivial thing. It's not a trivial thing. Do you understand? You're talking about bigger than a carry-on bag. That's an amount of weight substantially bigger than a reasonable carry-on bag. And 76% of Americans are now carrying that around. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. I want to talk a little bit about COVID, and I'll start with a little joke that I saw. It's a little joke, it's a little risky, it's a little political, but the joke went like this. Doctor, how long will this pandemic last? And the doctor says, I don't know. I'm a doctor. You should probably ask a politician. And that's the state of the world at the moment. We don't know how to listen to. We just, we don't know who to listen to. One doctor's telling us we should wear a mask and the other one's telling us that our oxygen levels will go down if we wear the mask. And then the left says this and the right says that. And at the end of the day, I think we're a whole lot more confused than we think we know. In fact, I've seen friends who used to love each other, hate each other over mask wearing. I'm serious, and I just, I wanna move past that for a minute. Here's what I wanna suggest to you is, first of all, there are some conventional ideas about how you can slow down viral infections and that kind of stuff, the conventional ideas. Like, we've heard them from the WHO, we've heard them from the CDC, we've been hearing them for a long time. You remember, right, you can wear your mask, you can use your social distancing, make sure you wash your hands, and do you remember this one? Don't touch your face, long time since we've heard that one, right? But here's the thing, all of those conventional methods they annoy me. And I don't mean they annoy me because I don't think they're a good idea. I think they're a great idea. But I think that the WHO and the CDC and all of the other incredibly responsible organizations, and by responsible, I don't mean that they're being responsible. I mean that they are responsible, are not telling us some of the very most important things. Right now, just yesterday, in the news, 76% of Americans report having gained at least 16 pounds or seven kilograms over the course of the lockdown. Hang on a second. Do you have any idea what the social cost of that's going to be? Do you have any idea what the suffering that that's going to lead to is going to be? It's not a trivial thing. It's not a trivial thing. Do you understand? You're talking about bigger than a carry-on bag. That's an amount of weight substantially bigger than a reasonable carry-on bag. And 76% of Americans are now carrying that around. And in case you are from one of the many countries that is not America, and you have that kind of arrogant, well, we're not Americans, it's not so different everywhere else either. And so... I want to talk about some of the things that I've been discovering. And I want to say this with all, I want to say this first. In March, I was a bit early in my concern about what COVID was going to do, both in terms of it being a disease and also in terms of its impact on our society. And you may have seen a video that I made. I made a video way back then, before this was crazy. And the video said, that yes, pay attention to all the social distancing requirements and all the conventional methods of slowing down a viral infection in the population. And then it said, you also need to take care of your own last line of defense. You need to support your own immune system to make sure that you are healthy so that you can really do the best you can to fight this. And you know what was crazy is that video went out, Mind Valley published it, and across all the platforms it got, it wasn't major viral, but let's call it a million plus views. But you know what was really funny for me? is the number of medical professionals that attacked me. 
a number of men. You know what? Because I don't have letters after my name. I only have letters in my name. Apparently, you have to have letters in your name and after your name to have an opinion. But I don't. I'm going to add new letters after my name. Eric Edmonds, XYZ. The thing is, a bunch of people that did have letters after the name started attacking me and saying, you don't understand virology. You don't understand immunology. You don't understand how this stuff works. And then you know what started happening over the next couple of weeks? Data started coming out of China. And then data started coming out of Italy. And that data has remained fairly consistent across this entire outbreak. And here's what we know. What we now know is that obesity, diabetes, hypertension, autoimmune disease, all of these conditions play a major, major role in whether or not somebody has a severe case of COVID-19 or whether or not they live or die. In fact, one of the research papers that I read out of New York said that 48% of the mortality caused by COVID, which in itself is a questionable measure, but 48% of the mortality involved three other diseases. That means that people were hypertensive, diabetic, and obese. In other words, I don't think many of them were going to make it through 2020 anyway. And then 25% of people had to have two major diseases, and another 25% had to have one major disease. Far less than 1% of the people suffering serious hospitalization or death actually had any other diseases. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be afraid of this. I'm not getting in on that political conversation. I know that the press is showing you stories about the young athlete that got sick and might have permanent, but I just, I want you to stop reading the headlines and listen to the credible people about that. And I'm not even claiming to be one of them. I'm saying you got to start being discerning because you know, what's happening right now is that data is being used to lie. Data itself doesn't lie. But data is being used to lie, and much of what you are seeing in the press is coming from either end of the bell curve. Let me explain for those who might not be familiar with the concept of bell curve, but basically it's a measurement of the averages of things. And so you get this curve shape where majority of things are happening in the middle, and then there's these outliers. There's outliers on either side. And the press is using the outliers they are using the tyranny of the bell curve to sell the press, to sell clicks, to get you to read. So you need to be careful. And so let's just back up for a minute. The diseases that seem to be really playing a part here in what's going on with COVID-19, they're what we call lifestyle diseases. I hate that term. I do. I don't hate a lot of things, but I don't like that term. Do you know why? Because you see, I believe that lifestyle disease is a phrase that is being used by the food industry and by the various governmental regulatory authorities and parliamentary people and legislators. And they're using that phrase to shift the blame. They're using that phrase because if they call it a lifestyle disease, then it was your fault. But I'm here to tell you it wasn't your fault. Like anybody who gained the 16 pounds during the pandemic, their pandemic pounds, it wasn't their fault. At what point did the CDC tell you, you know what, you should move around, get sunlight, and you should eat well and don't put on any weight? Did the CDC ever say that to you? Did Fauci ever say that to you? Did the WHO ever say that to you? No. Mind Valley said that to you. I said that to you. And it might have been the single most important thing you really could have heard relative to your own health and relative to creating herd immunity. Listen, listen to me very carefully. I want you to do a thought exercise with me. I want you to write it in the notes here. Here's my thought exercise for you. When you consider the statistics of COVID-19, severe hospitalizations, respiratory problems, intubators, and death, when you consider the statistics around that, that they almost all involve other diseases, 
Here's my question. What do you think would have happened if COVID-19 escaped from a cave, a bat, a lab? I don't care where you think it came from. What do you think would have happened if it escaped from that cave, bat, or lab in 1962? What do you think? Do you think there would have been a lockdown? Do you think there would have been a massive pandemic? What would have happened if this particular virus, not some other virus, not some similar to flu virus, not, not what happened in 1968, I'm talking about if COVID-19 happened in the 1960s, what would have happened? And what I would tell you is that because it requires obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and autoimmune disease and chronic respiratory disease, there wasn't enough of those diseases in the population for COVID-19 to grab a hold of the population. In other words, the population would already have had herd immunity. And so we don't have it. And we've been let down by the food industry. We've been let down by the people who are legislating our safety. We've been let down. And it's not our fault. But it is our responsibility. It is our responsibility. And so if today, if I'm not as light as you're used to, if I'm not as joyful as you're used to, and not as fun as you're used to, I want you to know that what I'm going to share with you today might be what I believe to be some of the most important information you need to have about the next 15 years of your life. Because, you see, What's going on, I want you to think about it like this. First of all, you want some things, right? I guess you want some stuff. I mean, you want some material stuff. You want to have some life experiences. There's places you want to travel. There's relationships you want to build. There's children you want to have or raise. There's friendships you want to create. There's missions you have. Like, what's some of the stuff that's left for you that you really want to go out there and do? And I'm not talking about the little stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that scares you a little. I'm talking about the stuff that you think about it and go, wow, if I was good enough, if I was amazing enough, if Marissa Peer could convince me that I was enough, what would I go out and do? And I want you to know something. What I'm going to share with you today is the single most important, single most valuable thing you need to know to get that stuff, to do that stuff, without question. I saw Jeffrey Allen the other day, and I hope I don't get this wrong. I love what he said. He says, we often think of our spirit as being inside us. And he says, no, it's wrong. We're inside our spirit. I think of spiritual existence as being a bit like this huge spiritual Wi-Fi network that we live in. And we're kind of like receivers. But what about when the receiver's sick? What about when the physical body isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing? What about when there's not enough of the right sugars in the brain? What about if there's not enough fat? What if there's not enough LDL cholesterol to fight diseases? What if we are not physically healthy? Then we're not a very good spiritual receiver at that point. And so what I want to suggest is that, look, imagine that you and I, who would like to drive across America with me? Not right now, maybe. <laughs> let's not use America for this example right now. But let's say one day, who would like to drive from New York to Los Angeles with me? You guys in? So let's think about it. We get in the car. And we're going to go to L.A., right? We're going to go to L.A. But before we get in the car, we're going to have to do some stuff, right? What are some of the things that we're going to have to do for the car to make sure that our trip is the best possible trip it could be? So what are the things? There it is. We've got to plan the trip. We've got to get a map. We've got to get snacks. We've got to, now we're talking. We've got to fuel up the car with the best quality fuel. We've got to change the oil. We've got to check the fluids. We've got to check the tires. We've got to make sure we have a spare tire. We have to take care of the car's physical needs. Do you understand? We have to take care of the car's physical needs. If we do not take care of the car's physical needs, the car will not get to the destination or it will get to the destination with a lot of bumps on the road. It'll end up having to go to the shop a whole lot, doctor's office. It'll end up having to go in and get emergency repairs, hospitals. It'll need all kinds of treatment, doctors, drugs, pharmacy. Do you understand? If you don't take care of the car's physical needs, the car will not be able to do what it's meant to do. So now 
let's understand that New York is where we are now and LA is where we want to go, right? And we want to get to that place. You guys said the missions you have. Some of you have major missions around social justice. You want to end hunger. You want to, you want to, or some of you have other stuff. You just want to take care of your family. You want to enjoy your life. You know that one of my favorite expressions is, I don't care how you measure success. Everybody has their own measure. My favorite measure of success is like this. Success in life is most easily measured by the number of days that you are truly happy. Do you know what's really interesting about happiness? It's a lot easier to be happy when the physical body is right. It's really tough to be happy when the physical body either is missing really important things that it needs or that it has too much toxicity and garbage in it or that it's not being used the way it needs to be used. So with that, if we were going on a long trip in our car, we might want to take out a checklist and go through the physical needs of the car. So what I want to share with you is the ultimate checklist of your body. I want to share with you something that we do at WildFit. It's the ultimate checklist of the physical needs of your body. And if you satisfy these physical needs, your body will get you to LA. If you satisfy these physical needs, your body will peak your creativity like crazy. If you satisfy these physical needs, you will have a much bigger capacity for love. If you satisfy these physical needs, your own ability to create spiritual connections will be stronger. If you satisfy these needs, life will be a whole lot more fulfilling. Our needs of the body, and I'm going to give them to you in what I believe to be the order of priority, the order of urgency. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. Air, air. Now remember, it's not actually air that you need. It's oxygen. Now you might think it's kind of pointless to put that one. Why is that one first? Why is it the first one? We do it automatically. We, we go get air every day. We can't. In fact, your body won't even let you not get air. But it's not as simple as the fact that you have to get oxygen. It's a matter of the quality of it that you get. Like imagine that you were in one of the countries that forced people to lock down and not go outside. Some friends of mine were in a country. I won't necessarily mention what country that was somewhere in Asia starting with an M. I won't mention it for political reasons. But what I will say to you this is they wouldn't even let them go outside to walk their dog. They need air. Air is the number one thing. They need high quality oxygen. 
They have to have that. So it's not just that you breathe, it's that you breathe good stuff. You need to be outside breathing good stuff. Then it's not also just a matter of what you're breathing, it's a matter of how you're breathing it. So your body is basically a big biochemical machine. It's a huge biochemical machine and it controls the way you feel and it controls your decisions and it controls the way you see the universe through chemicals inside your body. And so wouldn't it be great if you knew how to turn the taps for all the chemicals? Like, you know, for example, when people take ecstasy, they turn on the tap for serotonin. How cool would it be able to just turn that on anytime you want? Just turn on the serotonin tap. But here's the thing, you kind of can. You see, when you breathe shallow and soft and slow, you are stepping into what's called pray mode. I don't mean prayer as in religious spiritual experience. I mean pray as in being hunted. It works like this. You're walking along, you see a lion over here. This has happened to me many times in my life. About two years ago, I walked around a corner and there were 14 lions in the gully, 14 lions. By the way, in case any of you are wondering what it's like when you see a lion, if you've ever been slightly afraid of a pit bull, you know, if you've ever seen like a pit bull or a scary dog, I want you to know that a female lion would look at that pit bull and swat it with one paw and kill it. And a male lion can do that to a female lion. Like, just think about how strong and powerful, 14 of them. Now, here's the thing. Do you breathe like this when you see the 14 lions? Do you come around the corner and go, oh, look, 14 lions. <sighs> no, that's not what you do. <laughs> you know, this is not when you whip out your Wim Hof breathing. When you see the 14 lions, you do this, you go, and then you breathe incredibly shallow in the top part of your chest so that the lions won't hear you. It's prey breathing. Now the problem is, come on now, how many of you do a fair bit of prey breathing every day, sitting at your desk, sitting at your computer, watching TV, that you breathe shallow just because it's easy that way, right? We breathe like prey all the time. If you breathe like prey all the time, your body is consistently producing cortisol, which is a stress chemical and in severe cases, even adrenaline. And so here's a couple problems with that. <laughs> One, cortisol causes you to store fat. Cortisol tells your body that, holy crap, the environment is scary. I better go get more fat to protect me. Fat is both an insulating layer against injury and fat is stored water and energy. So if you're in stressful situations, you gotta go get fat. So what do you do? You trick your body into believing you're safe because guess what you are? Do you know all this fear the press has been offering us, all this fear? I want you to think about something. I was on a wild fit call the other day and I've been very happy by the way because I've had a number of wild fit clients on calls over the last week. And you know what they've told me? They've told me some very cool stuff. They've had COVID-19 and it was just like a common cold for them. And I'm so grateful. I'm not offering that as scientific research. There's no study on it yet. We're obviously gonna dive into it. But, but you know what I really found is that people are afraid. And, and on one of our calls, a client came on and she said her stress was because her 108 year old grandmother she couldn't go visit her. And it was awfully stressful that she couldn't go visit her. And you know what I said? I reminded her about 108-year-old grandmothers that she's already had about 20 to 30 years of visits that other people don't get to have. You know, so maybe she can be grateful for that. But then I pointed something out that her grandmother would have been born in 1912, which means by the time she was 15, 16 years old, she'd already been through World War I. By the time she was 20 some odd years, she'd been through the Spanish flu. By the time she was 35 years old, she'd been through World War II. She then went through the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, can you imagine what that century was like? 
If you were born after 1955, you were born in the easiest, nicest, most gorgeous experience that Earth has ever offered, despite what the press might be telling you. One of the reasons that we're handling COVID-19 so badly is that our leadership is just not good at disasters anymore because we don't have them in real terms the way we used to. And so we're under all this stress, even though it's the safest times ever. So here's what you do. What you do is you breathe properly. And I'm going to show you one way of doing it. There's lots. Go study Wim Hof. There's lots of people doing breath work. I'm just going to teach you one of the systems that we use at WildFit. We call it five by five breathing. Are you guys ready? We breathe in for a count of five. We hold for a count of five. We breathe out for a count of five. And then we hold for a count of five. And we do that five times. We're only going to do it once for time, but you can do it five times at home. So let's do it together. Here we go. Now, for those of you who actually played with me, I want to know the honest truth. Do you feel different right now? Do you feel less stress? Do you feel more relaxed? You just told your cells there are no lions. You just told your cells there's no enemy tribe. You just told your cells that the weather's going to be fine. You just told your DNA that you are safe. And so your DNA can stop producing cortisol, can stop producing adrenaline, and can let your immune system operate. Because I want you to know one more thing. When you allow your cortisol production and adrenaline to peak like that, and you put your body into emergency mode, your body basically lowers the shields. The way I explained this in one of my videos early on, for those of you who are Star Trek fans or Star Wars fans, it's kind of like this. There gets to be a point where the ship is in so much danger that we have to divert energy from the shields to the impulse engines. In other words, lower the shields and put all the energy on the engines. We got to get out of here. And the same thing happens to us. If you, God forbid, ever do walk around a corner and see a lion, I'd like you to know that if you had a cold and you were all full of phlegm and stuff, and you also had diarrhea, and then you walked around a corner and you saw a line, you know what would actually happen? Your digestive system would stop and your sinuses would stop. You would stop having the cold or diarrhea in that minute, like that second, because your body would shut off immune response and put all the energy into your legs and your heart and so on to make you go. Well, do you think that's pretty good to do when there's a world pandemic virus running around? Or do you think maybe what we should be doing is constantly and every day doing what we could to raise the shields? And so one of the very best things you can do to raise your shields is to breathe deeply, is to breathe in a deep, calm way so that your cells know there are no lions around. Breath, number one. Number two, in order of priority, water, water. And do you know what's not water? Coca-Cola is not water. Coffee is not water. Juice is not water. Milk is not water. Do you know what is water? Water. Water is water. And you've got to get enough of it. You got to get enough of it, whether it's simply you want your immune system to operate properly, or maybe because you want your brain to operate optimally, or maybe because you want to build muscle because you know it's crazy. I see all these people out there working their ass off at the gym, eating all the protein they have, get their muscles going, and they don't drink enough water. Your body can't build muscles without water. You've got to drink enough water. So what I would say to you is this, six to eight good-sized glasses a day. If you're a bigger person, they should be bigger glasses. If you're a littler person, they can be little glasses. And here's another clue. If you are ever thirsty, you've let it go too far. You've let it go too far. That's a sign of dehydration. And I don't mean that you're just thirsty because you were out in the heat or something. And that's different. Your mouth's dry. But if you actually get to the point you're thirsty, you've gone too far. You need to drink water preemptively. You need to drink it in advance. 
I know this because when I've climbed Kilimanjaro, which I've done seven times, what I can tell you is that they tell you on the mountain to drink a lot of water to fight the altitude sickness. Do you know what we found is even better than drinking water on the mountain? Is drinking water four days before the climb. Loading your cells up, fattening your cells up with water before it even begins. So you want to stay hydrated, not get hydrated. You want to stay hydrated. And so you've got to make sure you're getting enough water. All right. Number three. Number three. Now, why, why are these in order? They're in order of urgency. How long can you live without air? Minutes. How long can you live without water? Days. The next one is sleep. Yeah, I know a lot of you thought it was food. And by the way, what's the number one thing people have been reaching for right now? What's the number one thing they've been reaching for in COVID time? Food. It's not even number three on the list. We're going to talk about food in a minute, but it's not even three. on. It's not. Sleep is number three on the list. Your sleep has everything to do with the strength of your immune system. You've got to get good quality sleep. And there's so many devices out there now that can help you to optimize your sleep. You can have your eye watch or your aura ring or any number of things that can help you to measure your sleep and then optimize your experience. But here's a couple of clues. Turn off the digital devices at least two to three hours before you go to sleep. Don't eat any food three hours or four hours before you go to sleep. Have the room slightly cool. Have a nice warm blanket, but let the air be cool. Think about all the things tomorrow that you're most excited about. The more excited you are about tomorrow, the better you will sleep tonight and the easier you will wake up in the morning. Please get some sleep. Here's one clue, by the way. How many hours do you need? Here's what I'm going to tell you. The real answer is somewhere between six and eight. We're all different. I think it's between six and eight for most people. But what I will say is this. The best thing for you to do is to stop using an alarm to wake up and start using an alarm to go to bed. So if you want to be up at six and you need eight hours of sleep, I'm going to teach you some basic accounting work here. It's not difficult. If you want to wake up at six and you need eight hours of sleep, it means you need to be in bed by 10, which means you need to set an alarm for eight. And at eight o'clock, the alarm should say, turn off electronic devices. Take a break from Zuckerberg, right? In that moment, take a break from Netflix, turn it off, then have some quiet time and then go to sleep and then wake up juiced about the day that's coming ahead. You've got to sleep. It's absolutely imperative. Now, need number four is energy. You need energy. So where does our energy come from? Now, this is a need that most people are satisfying incredibly well, but badly. What I mean is they're getting enough energy in, but they're getting bad quality energy in. And what we really want to do is eat the best quality energy. Your body has three primary fuel sources. Three. I know a lot of you think it's two, but it's actually three. Here they are. As energy sources go, sugar should be considered to be the urgent, hot-running, temporary fuel source. You eat it, you can burn it real fast, but then you crash. Protein should only ever be a fuel source that you're using in certain emergency conditions, under significant stress or during fasting time. And it's really important that you do do that, and I'll tell you why. Your body is so smart. It is, it's incredible. I'm blown away by your body, because here's something that it does. When you go into what we call winter and wild fit, and your body goes into a particular type of stress as a result of winter, your body will start burning protein. It'll burn protein for energy, but you know what's great about your body? Your body will seek out the diseased and old proteins and burn them first. In other words, it's a cleansing. Just like lions hunt the old and the sick out of the herd and keep the herd healthy, your body does that when you create that opportunity for it. 
And so also your body has fat, so sugar, protein, and fat. And right now, most of us should be working on burning fat. And there's two things that we can do to trigger better fat burning. One is eat really good quality fats. For those of you who are not vegan, what does that mean? It means mostly good quality animal fats. And of course, for those of you who are vegan, you can find a number of other fats to substitute for that. But you've got to eat good quality fats one way to make sure you've got fat on your body that you can burn really well. And here's the other thing. Don't eat so much carbs when you want to burn fat. Because if your body gets carbs in, then it will automatically go, well, I've got carbs to burn. And then it'll switch to carb burning. Not ideal. And so you want to have long periods of time where your carb intake is reduced. That's why we have Wild Fit Spring in our programs. And then the other thing is that you do exercise that stimulates fat burning. And we'll talk more about that in the next category. Because category number five, category number five, the fifth physical need of the body is movement. Movement. Now, I'm not going to be the boring fitness guy who tells you you got to move to keep your muscles going and you got to move to keep your fitness and your cardio. You all know that. You know that. You know, use it or lose it. You know that. But I want to give you another version. You see, your body has these pumps. It has a heart. And it has the diaphragm. Those are pumps. And those pumps pump urgent and important functions. So the blood is being pumped. It's urgent and important. It has to be pumped every time. Your heart beats like all the time. It just keeps going. It's the most amazing organ. Bum, 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 bum. And it keeps going. And your diaphragm, it's controlling your air because that is also urgent and important. If either one of those pumps stop working for more than two, three minutes, you're dead. But there's another thing that your body needs, and that is lymphatic fluid. Your lymph nodes around your body produce lymphatic fluid, and the lymphatic fluid, lymph, it goes all around your body and it cleanses you. It cleans your cells. It cleanses your body, an incredibly important function of your immune system. It cleanses you. And the trouble is, is that there's no pump for it. And the reason there's no pump is that its job is important, but not urgent. It's not urgent because for our ancestors, movement was such a regular, everyday, had-to-be-done requirement that we didn't need a pump. You needed to walk 10 miles a day to get enough water, to get enough food. You needed to. You needed to. And so you didn't need a pump until this century when we just stopped moving, when the most moving that most of us do in a day is our eyes moving around a screen. And now that we aren't moving enough, we're not getting enough lymphatic flow through our systems, and we're building up acid and toxicity in our body that our lymph system would normally be taken care of. You have to move, not just for your muscles, not just for your bone density, but to move lymphatic flow. How do you do that? Muscles. When you contract and relax your muscles, when you stretch, when you do deep diaphragmic breathing, it's basically tissue movement. You got to get the tissues moving. And so if you do deep stretches, if you do deep yoga, Pilates, you go to the gym and have a workout, you go and do some boxing, you go off and do, you know, like, look, you just got to move and get you go to a Zumba class, get yourself moving and breathing deeply. And then lymph will be flowing throughout. And you will start cleansing your body. And you need to do that pretty much in some form every single day. Like, look, stop being good at rock star parking. If you go to the store, if you go to the movies, if you go to the mall, don't take the rock star parking. Leave the rock star parking for the mom and the kids. Okay? Because that's hard work. The rest of us, walk. Get the movement in. Do 10,000 steps a day. Do your stretches every morning. But you've got to get your lymphatic flow moving. And, by the way, 
one of the very best ways to keep your metabolism running really well and to keep your immune system running really well is to have increased muscle density and decreased fat composition. So moving helps with that as well. So that was number five. Number six, sunlight. Listen to me very carefully. I don't care who told you this. I don't care where you got it from, but the sun did not magically become evil in 1963. Didn't happen. But you know what did happen? Some marketers got a hold of some data and scared the pants off everybody, or I should say scared the pants and shirts on everybody about the sun. Oh, the sun's bad. It's really bad. I used to work for this guy. I tell you, he was so white. He was so white that if he was standing beside me, you wouldn't be able to see him. We went out on a canoe trip once. He wore a wide brim hat and a scarf over his face and sleeves up to here and gloves. He was so terrified of the sun because the Australian government and the marketing people had terrified him about it. And you know what's really crazy? He gets no vitamin D production of any kind and it's likely gonna cause him cancer because he's afraid of getting cancer. You gotta get sun. You must get sun. Now, let's be clear for a moment. If you are darker skinned, that is to say that you are of recent African origins or Middle Eastern origins, and you are living in Norway or Estonia or Latvia, Lithuania or Siberia, then you're gonna have a harder time getting enough sun, right? Because your skin is not allowing as much of the sun to go all the way through. It's evolved that way. So that means those people need to work even harder to get enough sun. Conversely, those of us who have lighter skin or even way lighter than me, when they live in closer to the equator, they have to be careful about how much sun they get because their skin is more delicate. I'm not suggesting you should be going out and burning. Burning is a bad idea. You should not let your skin burn, but you must get sunlight. It's disinfecting. It's a disinfectant for your blood. It helps you raise vitamin D, which vitamin D, one of the studies I read recently said that 94% in one large test group, 94% of the people who succumbed to COVID-19 were vitamin D deficient, 94% and none of the fully loaded vitamin D patients in that study died. Just that one study was saying vitamin D was key to all of it. Now, I have a public service announcement for you. Do, 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 do. Public service announcement. Do you live in the United Kingdom? Do you live in Vancouver or Seattle? You are not getting enough sun, but here's the good news. You don't have to wait till every third year, that one Sunday, you know the day, the one day that it comes out, usually on a Thursday afternoon when you have a meeting and it comes out, you don't have to wait for that day. If it is light outside, you are getting sunlight. Now, yes, some nice direct sunlight would be nice, but if it is light outside, then go outside and get that natural light on your skin and help your body get its vitamin D production up. You must, you must please go and do that. Humans make their own vitamin D. I am not a fan of taking vitamin D supplements. I do not want you drinking vitamin D fortified milk and all that garbage. I want you to let your body do its job. Get outside, get some sunlight, let natural light into your eyes, let natural light. Yeah, you might want to wear sunglasses between 10 and 2, but after that, no. In the morning, go look at the sunrise. Not right at the sun. Don't be a fool about it, of course. At the sunset, go look at the sunset. Not right at the sun, but let the orange light bathe into you and then produce the vitamin D that you want and have the immune system you want. All right, that was seven non-energy nutrients. Okay, so we talked about energy, but now you need non-energy nutrients. So let's talk about this. What does that mean? Well, there's a bunch of non-energy constituents in food like fiber, vitamins, minerals, fats. Oh, fats, sorry. They are also energy, but there are also some that are used for non-energy. So you've got a bunch of these non-energy things that are in food and we need them. 
we need to get them. And so one of the problems with eating junk food is not just the toxicity that it puts in our body, but then when we eat this one junk food, then we now don't have space to put in the good food. So one of the principles, many of you know through WildFit, one of our principles at WildFit is your health is far more dependent upon you getting enough of the good stuff than it is you eliminating the bad stuff. So getting rid of the bad stuff is a good idea. Yeah, there's some bad stuff you should get rid of. But more than getting rid of the bad stuff, what you really need to be doing is putting in the good stuff. So what is the good stuff? Well, I want you to think of it this way. If you got yourself an exotic pet, tell me in the chat, what kind of exotic pet? If it was cool and politically correct and non-environmentally damaging to have an exotic pet, what exotic pet would you like to have? I'd love to know. A toucan, giraffe, awesome. A leopard, a leopard. That's a scary exotic pet right there. Tiger, kangaroo. All right. Here's the thing, let's say you got your exotic pet. Would you go to PubMed and read nutritional science papers to figure out how to feed your pet? Would you go to the Harvard Medical Science Department to find out what to feed your pet? No, you know what you do? You would tune into BBC, you would tune into the National Geographic Channel, and you would listen to the announcer going, well, here we've got the elephant, and the elephant has a natural diet of eating 200 kilograms of bark and grass every day. And you know, like, you'd listen to the nature guy, and the nature guy would go, this is what this animal eats. We know what humans eat. We know what we've eaten for a quarter of a million years. It's not a mystery. It's not a mystery, it's just a decision. And I'll put it to you this way. One decision, are you gonna be vegan or not vegan? If you're gonna be vegan, you're gonna to have to do some extra work because humans have always eaten animal products. And so we know that humans have eaten meat and fish and eggs and that kind of stuff and a wide variety of seasonally available seeds and plants and fruits. We know that, that's what humans have been dependent upon for hundreds of thousands of years. For those of you who want to be a vegan, no problem. You just got to do a little bit of research to make sure you get enough of your amino acids, making sure you're getting enough of your B12s. You're going to have to figure those things out. But those are the core things that people need. And if you get those core needs met, you'd be amazed how resilient your body can be for the occasional non-functional treat you want to have. You know, something you're eating for emotional reasons other than nutritional reasons. You've got to get the good stuff in. And number eight. The eighth physical need of the body is touch. The eighth physical need of the body is touch. Physical touch. We are social animals. Some animals are naturally social. Some animals are naturally more solo. I'll give you an example. Cats. Cats around the world are basically solo animals. Lions are a bit different. They are savannah cats, and they're the only cats that are like this. They form families, but all other cats are basically solo. If you see cats together, it's because they just had kittens, and once the kittens are like, you know, basically in human years, about 14 years old, they kick them out of the house and they're solo again. I always say that if people buy themselves a dog, it's because they wanted a loyal best friend who would live with them, you know, and be really loyal to them. And if they buy a cat, it's because they wanted an ambivalent roommate that wouldn't pay rent. Cats are very solo. Dogs are very social. Humans are very social. Humans are very social. We are so similar to chimpanzees. We are so similar to chimpanzees that there are two species of chimpanzees on earth today, the bonobos and chimpanzees. We share more genetic material, we share more DNA with the one chimpanzee than the other one does. We are more closely related to the one chimpanzee than the other chimpanzee is. We are the third chimpanzee. This is interesting because we can look at them and we can learn about their behaviors and we can learn about them. We're not saying we can draw direct connections. That would be a maybe a logical fallacy, but we can certainly look for patterns and open up lines of inquiry as a result of them. And you know what I found out about chimpanzees? How many of you guys have ever seen a nature show where the chimpanzees are picking at each other and preening each other and picking ticks off? You guys all seen that? Here's what's really fascinating. In chimpanzee culture, they're only allowed to do that 
for chimpanzees that are of equal or greater social rank. They're not allowed to do that. They won't do it for the chimpanzees that are, have a lower social rank. So that means the highest ranking chimpanzees get the most affection. They get the most touching, the most cuddling, the most all that stuff. And the lowest ranking members of the tribe get none. And you know what? They have the lowest life expectancies of the troop. They die. They don't get to breed. They don't get to pass on their genetic material. It's a system designed to make sure that the highest ranking members of the troop actually have babies. And so the lack of physical touch kills them. And by the way, I won't go into the real heartstring science on this, but I'll bet you some of this, you know this about failure to thrive syndrome. I don't want to get into it. It'll just make me cry, make other people cry. I'm just telling you, babies need to be touched. They need to be touched. We need to be touched. And so your eighth physical need is long hugs, not this rubbish hug where you tap somebody on the A-frame hug and they tap somebody on the back. I'm talking about a hug where your body is touching and you're holding and your energy is mixing. Long kisses, holding hands, playing with each other's hair, washing each other's hair in the shower, assuming you have that kind of relationship with that person. I want to be clear, but you understand my point is we got to have touch. That's the eighth physical need of the body. Need number one, air. Breathe good quality air. Do deep breathing. Water. Stay hydrated. Drink good, clean water. Mineral water where possible and drink it preemptively. Don't let yourself get thirsty. Sleep. Set alarms to go to bed, not to wake up. Energy. You want to burn the right energy source. You want to be primarily a fat burner. Learn all about that. You want to make sure that you've got enough movement in your life both for your physical fitness and your cardio fitness and all that stuff, but also just to move the lymph around your body, you gotta make it happen. You gotta have sunlight on your skin and in your eyes to produce the vitamin D you need and to cleanse your blood, you gotta make sure that happens. You have to have non-energy nutrients. All the things that we eat in our food, the fibers and the vitamins and the minerals, the vitamin C's and all that kind of stuff that you must get, you gotta get those things in your body. And then of course, physical touch. We've got to get physical touch. If you handle those eight physical needs, everything you want in life will get easier. Every single thing. You wanna make a lot of money? Satisfy those needs. You wanna have a great relationship? Satisfy those needs. You wanna have a great spiritual connection with your spiritual beliefs? Satisfy those needs. You wanna be somebody who like changes the world. Be the change you wanna see in the world and satisfy those needs. Thank you guys so much. Your passion in the notes and in the comments has just been such a drive of energy for me in this day where we don't get to be with live audiences in person so much. So I really appreciate all of you being here. And all I'm gonna ask you to do is do these things and teach them to others. Thanks very much. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. 
Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.